You'll notice we had a fill-in today. Sorry. You, you can stand up here. I can stand here. Stand next to me, my brother. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Bess took a tumble upstairs on the floor, and she flung herself into a door. I don't know why she would do that, but there, that's not unprecedented of staff members in this church <laughs> to fling themselves into a door upstairs. Um, so, so this arm doesn't really work very well. Okay, so Donald filled in today. I just want to let you know that, so be sure to speak to Bess afterwards. Now, here's Ben. And be sure to speak to Ben and say, thank you, Randy. Let's give it a friend. That was a great job. <laughs> it is so good to be here and so nice to meet you. What a welcome to the church to get banged around. I hope you'll be okay. It is so good to see you. This morning, we have two passages of Scripture that are very much alike and that you should know. The first one comes from the sixth chapter of Deuteronomy. It is the basis for our faith. It begins in verse 4 of the chapter, sixth chapter of Deuteronomy. Let's listen together to the word of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. The second passage comes from the 10th chapter of Luke's Gospel. We are beginning in verse 25. Listen to how similar these are. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and decided to put Jesus to the test. Teacher, he said to him, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, well, what's written in the law? How does it read? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live the word of the Lord. Amen. Now, let me make something very clear. We, we have known each other for an since I had hair. We've known each other a long time. I think you know this about me, but I, I am not, I'm not one of those guys. I just want you to know this. I am not one of those guys. In fact, I left it in the car just to be able to prove my point. I'm not one of those guys who pulls out his cell phone and goes, have you seen my grandchildren? And they've got 60 pictures and they do this. Have you had this happen? And you've got to say something nice about every single picture. That I am not one of those guys. I would never, ever do that. I got prints. Okay. You tell me that isn't cute. You just tell me if that isn't cute. I'll say, oh, choir, one, two, three. Oh, see what I'm talking about? That's a good, that's my boy right there. Yeah, you know what I mean? I just carry, I ain't got any more, 30, maybe 35, that's all. I mean, it's, it's, it's a light load Sunday. You know, and I'm just, uh, oh, that's just, let me look at this a second. I'll get back with y'all in a minute. Uh, oh, man, she not cute. I mean, what can I say? Anyway, I'm not one of those ones that walks around with a big cell phone full of pictures because I got print. The greatest thing in the world. In fact, my oldest, my oldest just graduated. I'm, I'm pretty proud. Graduated with honors. <clears throat> Preschool to kindergarten. <laughs> Took the big step, yeah. We had a graduation service. It was incredible. And I sat there watching these little kids and I thought, you know, 
Life is a series of graduations, isn't it? I mean, preschool and kindergarten is very important, but, but you know, you get them out of high school, and what's the first thing you think? <gasps> We're going to have the house to ourselves. They've gone to college. And then you realize, I can't afford to eat lunch because they've gone to college. <laughs> they get out of college, and it's, oh, praise the Lord, I can afford to eat lunch. And then they move back home while they find themselves. I mean, we've all been there and done this. You get my age. Graduation means something, you know, kind of altogether different. <clears throat> but almost every day is a graduation. A graduation from learning what you learned that day to what you're going to experience the next day. And so it dawned on me that the church, in one respect, is a graduation service. You've graduated from one week of your life, and you come here to thank God for that, to be equipped to face the next week that's coming and hopefully graduate from that as well. So today, I'm pleased to announce that December the 4th, 2016, I am your graduation speaker for this Sunday. <clears throat> the session has asked me to address you specifically because we all realize that beyond the doors of this church, there's some very dangerous potholes waiting for all of us. And you can fall into one of those potholes and break a bone, break a heart, ruin a career, and it takes a lot of energy to heal those things, and that's energy that could be used to celebrate peace. It begins with our text. The lawyer came to Jesus and says, what do I have to do to have life, eternal life? Let, let's change one word. What do I have to do to have eternal peace? What's it take to be at peace? And Jesus was so wise and turned it back around him and said, you tell me. You're the one that's read the book. What does it say? Oh, easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, that's right. Do that, and you will live. Do that, and you will have peace. I want you to pray with me right now. Just close your eyes. If you can, repeat what I say in your heart. Our Father and our God, today, I commit my life to you. I commit my life to love you with all my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength, and to strive to love my neighbor as myself. I ask this prayer in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Now, why did we do that? Sometime in the next five days, in spite of this being the Christmas season, sometime in the next five days, you're going to be tempted Sometime in the next five days, a, a reoccurring sin is going to come back around in your life, and you're going to have to face it again. Sometime in the next five days, somebody may ask you to do something that you know is sketchy at best and wrong, at least. Sometime in the next five days, your Christmas attitude may go out the window when you're stuck in traffic, and this time... Instead of giving in to it, you're going to go, you know what? You know what? On December the 4th, I committed my way unto the Lord to love the Lord with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to strive to love my neighbor as myself in temptation and attitude and challenges and addictions and recurring things. You know, those things, that doesn't fit into what I committed to do. So thank you, but no thank you. I'm not going there this time. And you're going to feel more power than you have ever felt before. Say amen. Bury that into your heart. That is one of the strongest things you can take from today. You can beat that. 
The other part of my graduation talk is to share something that's really pretty personal. Uh, you know I travel all the time to some of the most remote places in the world. And I usually do that just on my own. You knew my dog. Dog died, so dog is not with me when I travel America anymore. And I really spend great buckets of time by myself all over the world. Or I'm surrounded by people who speak a language that I don't really speak enough of to, to feel like I matter and I'm just sort of there. And I want to confess to you that sometimes I confuse that with being incredibly lonely. And today when we walk out of church, some of you are going to be alone. You may still be with a whole crowd of people. But in your heart, you very well may feel very much alone. I want you to hear something. Because I forget this and I need to hear it over and over again in my own life. You may be by yourself, but you are never alone. Graduate, you may be by yourself, but you are never alone. You are surrounded by people who will stand with you wherever you need to stand. They will kneel with you wherever you need to pray. They will walk with you wherever you need to go if it brings you closer to Jesus. Let me prove that to you. If you are one of those people who will stand with somebody else, will you raise your hand for me? Come on, raise your hand. Now, all of you look around at the hands that are up and then try to tell me that you're alone. We just need to know what it is that you need. And we will stand with you. We will kneel with you. We will walk with you. We will pray with you wherever that needs to be. Because you may be by yourself, but you are never, ever alone. Is anybody from Mississippi that will admit it? Go ahead. We're in church. Look at that. We've got hands in the back. Oh, my goodness. We're surrounded by people from Mississippi. Meridian, Mississippi has weather just like here today. It can be cold and wet and wonderful. My friend Rose Justice lives on a farm outside of Meridian, Mississippi. She lives there with her husband, Rick, and up at the barn is Cleve. Cleve looks after the farm. In the barn, Cleve has a 200-pound dog that's called a bull mastiff, and this monster is named Babe. Rose lives in the house with her husband, Rick, Miss Annie, who looks after the household, and they have two pets. They have a Pekingese. I don't know why, but they have a Pekingese, and it's named Snuffy. And they have a Vietnamese pot-bellied pig named Hogbert. Cold January morning. Miss Rose Justice is quaffed and done for the day. She's about to go into Meridian to do whatever you do in Meridian, Mississippi. And she decides she'll let the little pig out to do his business before she goes. She lets the pig out just as Cleve at the barn is letting the great big dog out. The great big dog sees a little bitty pig and he thinks one word, breakfast. He runs down and he grabs the pig. He starts shaking the pig. The pig starts screaming. Rose comes running at the, out of the house, yells at the dog to drop the pig. The dog drops the pig. The pig jumps in the lake and starts to swim away. Miss Annie comes out and is calling upon the name of the Lord. Cleve comes running down and Rose says, Cleve, swim out there and save my pig. 
Cleve started getting undressed very slowly when Snuffy the Pekingese sees the light, the chance of a lifetime. Snuffy cannot stand the bull mastiff. She comes running out of the house, runs up behind that great big dog, jumps up in the air and goes chomp and bites onto the back end of that dog. The great big dog is running around in circles screaming. Miss Annie is on her knees calling upon the name of the Lord. The pig is swimming off into the distance. Cleve is getting undressed very, very slowly. And Rose goes, Cleve, swim out there and save my pig. And Cleve looks at her and says, Miss Rose, I would be glad to, but I can't swim. <laughs> Quaffed, made up, I'm sure she had on heels, dressed for the day. Rose Justice jumps into that lake and swims out there to save her little pig. She said the pig thought it was a game. She would grab the pig and throw him. He would swim back to her. She'd grab the pig and throw him. He would swim back to her. She said, I finally threw the pig out of the lake. And she said, I collapsed on the side of the lake like a beached whale. Her words. When I finished laughing, she looked at me and she goes, Mathis, I guess there are just some things worth dying for. How many gentlemen here remember the short wheelbase Ford Bronco that we all like? They keep saying they're going to bring it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Johnny Miller, one of your missionaries, bought one in South Africa, drove it all the way up to Zaire. Everybody used it. I got lost in that truck my first time to Africa 30-something years ago. Peggy Rambo used that truck. She would take a footlocker and wedge it into the back of the Bronco and drive out into the jungle and do clinics in very remote settings. On this day, she drove out there, and they'd taken a tree this way, split the tree open, and made a great big bench. There are about 16 African mothers sitting on the bench holding their little babies, and Peggy backs the truck up. She backs into the crowd, and the greeting is always fun. It's moyo, moyo, malukai, malukai, malumimpe, malumimpe. And then everybody goes, eh. Then they pray, twa sakadila nzambi. Then they sing, eh, twa kusanka bwaluse loa yesu. The language is called Chaluba. Then she begins right over here. And she examines every single little baby. Some need ointment. Some need medicine. <clears throat> all need food. All need vitamins. All need immunizations. Some of these children don't have a chance in the world. But she tries so hard to be encouraging. And she said she did all right. She packed up the footlocker and put it back into the Bronco, and she did okay. She turned around, and she looked at these beautiful young mothers, and she looked at them and said, we don't have, we don't have enough money to buy the gasoline to keep all of these clinics open. And so we've had to make some tough decisions, and, I, and I'm sorry We've decided to close this clinic, and I will not be coming back, and I'm sorry. Peggy Rambo said she looked at 16 horrified mothers, and she did all right. She turned around and got in the Bronco and did okay. She started it. She pulled it down into gear. She said she did all right pulling off down this dusty road until she looked in the rearview mirror. And running behind her in this cloud of dust is a young mother clutching her baby like a football and screaming, if you leave, my baby will die. And she had to keep driving. I'm from Memphis. Any Memphians here? My friend's name was Russell Weiner, a Jewish fella in Memphis, came to hear me speak. 
And afterwards he walked up and he goes, I want to help. <laughs> and I couldn't resist it. I went, what do you do? And he goes, I'll send it to you. And he never caught on that I was doing it with him. Russell works for this company. It's called Super Bubble Bubblegum. And Russell Wiener sent me 300 pounds of bubblegum. My friend Freddie's going to come down and help me right now. Come here, Freddie. Everybody say hi, Freddie. He's scared to death. He's scared to death. Don't, don't scare this kid. Come here. Son, like it or not, for the rest of your life, when everybody sees you, they're going to remember this story. Come on up here. You ever been to a gas station where you could smell the candy counter? Like a quick trip. You can smell that. It's, you know, my whole house smelled like that. If you open this thing, stick your nose in there. Don't fall out. Smells, doesn't it? Could you imagine if your house smelled like this? I mean, I like a little of it, but my goodness gracious, a lot. Came in 25-pound boxes. So I would send 25 pounds of bubble gum to people going overseas to give to the children. I sent 25 pounds of bubble gum to Dr. Frank Hellinger in Orlando, Florida. He now lives in Winter Park. He is, he is a, a neuro, he's a brain surgeon. He is a neurosurgeon. And this man calls me on the telephone and goes, Mathis, what is this? Well, Dr. Hellinger, what does it look like? Why, it looks like a box of bubble gum. I said, you know, that's good. You're a smart man. If I get sick, I'm going to come see you. What am I supposed to do with this bubble gum? I said, Frank. You're going to Africa. Give it to the children. I'm not going to Africa to give out bubble gum to children. You know how doctors wear a white jacket when they go to work? Dr. Helen just got his jacket on. It's called a lab jacket. It's got great big pockets. They are full of bubble gum wherever he goes. He's giving out bubble gum to all the children. The kids called it boom, boom. And they get out in front of his house in the morning, jump up, down, jump up, down, go boom, 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 boom. He about boom, boom, bobble little children. Dr. Hellinger noticed a little boy, a little younger than you. He was 10, and you're 12. Well, this little boy was 10 years old, and he walked differently than the other children. The doctor examined him, and the child had a tumor growing on his spine. Do you understand tumor? It's like a bad infection. If he didn't get that tumor off the little boy's spine, eventually the little boy's legs would no longer work. In this country... If your legs don't work, how do you get around? Wheelchair. In a wheelchair, very good. If they didn't have a wheelchair, what would they do? Let me tell you what happens. They don't have wheelchairs where I'm talking about. If you're six years old or 60 years old and your legs don't work, you put flip-flops on your hands and you drag your body behind you. It is a heartbreaking thing to see. We didn't have a lot of fancy tools in the hospital. If the doctor went to work and he made a mistake, the little boy's legs wouldn't work anyway, so he decided he had to try. He put the little boy on the operating table. He spent four hours getting to the tumor. He got there just fine. Hellinger's very good. By the time he got there, that little boy had to have blood. Now, your dad is here. Where's your dad? You're right back there. We went to the little boy's mother and said, will you give a pint of blood to keep your kid alive? What would you say? Okay, this is not her fault, but she got up and ran out the door. See, she thought if she gave blood to her little boy, if the little boy died, she thought she would die. She, she can't help that. 
Well, it turns out we needed a positive blood, and, and Frank's wife is named Flossie Hellinger, a strong Presbyterian woman. Flossie goes, give him all my blood, keep this kid alive, don't worry about me. And she meant that. And thank goodness Dr. Hellinger said, yeah, I'll take one pint, that's it. He took a pint of blood, he stabilized that little boy, he went to work. Four hours later, he got the tumor out of that kid. Kid's going to be fine, but he has to have more blood. You know how a doctor wears gloves and a mask and all that stuff when they operate? He walked right out of the operating room with all that stuff still on, and he walked into the waiting area. And he stood there going, A positive blood. A positive blood. And people got up and walked away, or they wouldn't look at him, or they, they bent over and tied shoes they weren't wearing. This kid needs a pint of blood. That's it. Frank remembered that dumb box of bubble gum. He went back to the guest house, he got the bubble gum, he put it on what we call a patient cart, and he wheeled it right into the operating room, the waiting area. He wheeled right into the waiting room, and he stood there going, A positive blood, boom, boom, A positive blood, boom, boom. And finally, a man walked up, rolling up his sleeve, and the guy's going, A positive blood, boom, boom. And Frank said, yeah, you bet. And that man took, took, took two great big scoops of bubble gum, he shoved them into his britches, he gave a pint of blood, and guess what? I have played soccer with that little boy. That little boy is alive and well, and that man got a mouthful of cavities. We had to send a dentist to go fix him up. <laughs> now, Freddie, I know you got that. I know you got the whole thing. And you and I both know uh, they didn't. So let's explain to them what just happened. Being at peace in life is a really big deal. The option is to toss and turn and worry and hate and struggle. And to be at peace, if we commit our lives to the Lord, to love the Lord with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, and to love our neighbors as best we possibly can, we'll be at peace. We'll be at peace and we'll realize we may be by ourselves, but we're not alone. We're surrounded by other people who are at peace and who love each other and who love us and look after us. Oh, yeah, we'll find out in life that there are some things worth dying for. You. Jesus died for you. We celebrate his birth right now. Easter, as we celebrate his death and resurrection, Jesus died for you. You're worth dying for. But you know what? There are a lot more things worth living for. There are a lot of things worth dying for, but there's so many more worth living for. And, you know, most of these people have jobs. And maybe they don't realize this, but if you're in the jungle, I can't use a credit card and say, here, fill her up. It doesn't work. You either have the money to do the job or you don't. And if we don't have the money, there's no gasoline. The boats don't move. The trucks don't move. The refrigerators don't work. The generators are not turned on. The medicine spoils. People don't get cared for. And so we encourage people, give to your church. Give right here. That's your first priority. Give to your church. But once you've done that, Give to Roe, give to somebody, put it in the guy with the ring and do something. Give, because we can't use a credit card. Well, why? Freddie, this is what I want you to hear. If God can use a piece of bubble gum to save a little boy's life, that's exactly what he did. If God can use a piece of bubble gum to save a little boy's life, then what in the world? can he do with you? So to help remind them of that, I want you to take this 
And I want you to join me over there after church. And when people are walking by, you don't have to say a word unless you want to. I want you to take a piece of bubble gum. If you chew it, keep the wrapper. Put it somewhere to remind you of such a simple truth. If God can use a piece of bubble gum to save a little boy's life, what in the world can he do with you? God bless you. You stay strong. God bless America. Merry Christmas. Let's pray together. Father, you offer us the greatest gift of salvation, and today we celebrate the gift of peace. If we will but love you with all our hearts, our minds, our soul, and strength, and care about our neighbors, we take the emphasis off ourselves and we put it on you, and mysteriously peace evolves. Today, Father, place upon our hearts a burden of peace and a burden of hope. Remind us that because of the baby Jesus, we celebrate this day. We're part of the answer. We're not part of the problem. And for that, we give you thanks for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank you, Fred. Take the top two. I'll meet you right over there after church.